Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled for Sokoth in Ju- Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Deming and between Sukkah and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, the Israelites another, with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. And on his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. Its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man. Let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistines words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And now David, the son of the Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons and in Saul's time he was old and well advanced in years. And Jesse's three oldest sons who followed Saul to war, the firstborn Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistine came forward, and every morning and evening took his stand. And now Jesse said to his son David, Take the ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers, and hurry to the camp. Take along the ten cheeses to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are, and bring back some assurance from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Eli fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with his shepherd and loaded up and set out as Jesse directed. And he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. And David left the things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines, shouted his usual defiance. David heard it. And when the Israelites saw that man, they all ran from him in great fear. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are a, a good father. from the very beginning of time until now. Father, who cares for us? Who watches over us? A Father who wants better for us than many of us are living and experiencing. Today, speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, speak beyond words that I will say that would strike to the very heart of 
core of who we are this day. That we would not just find some new information, not just even find something new about ourselves, but that we would be doers of your word. We would be transformed into your image, Christ. That we, as we've been going through this series, that today there would be those who would be set free in the name and the authority of Jesus set free. And in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. All right. I want to start with a, a whoop, I had it on already. I want to start with a song. So as we're dealing with defeating your greatest fear, by the way, this is part one. You're going to find that out. All right. All right. And this is an important, uh, we've been worshiping, it's been great, and I, we just want to continue that on, and so just join in with this very worshipful song. If you feel like standing up, the Lord leads you, go ahead. To some of you, uh, that was a cute kid song. To other of you, it was just a kid song. <laughs> but part of the reason to, to start with that is because in many ways, that is what we have done to the story of David and Goliath, just made it a kid story. We just made it this kid's story where the little guy can win against the big odds. It's an inspirational rated G movie when the reality is that the Bible story is an R-rated movie about how to get ahead in life. <laughs> hey, explain that to some of the... just went above them, okay? 
If, if they miss that, help them out. It was flying. I saw it. it but it is. That's, that's not exact. That would get an R rating. You see, how many, if you think about it, it we were told it's the story uh, of an underdog defeating the giant. In fact, it's really not about defeating giants. That's often the way we talk about it. It's about defeating the big things in your life. What are those big things you're facing? What are those things? That's, it's not really a story like that. It, it is when you've t- got the whole kid's story kind of thing. But how about we look at it not through the eyes of a kid, but how about we look at it through the eyes of God and what He's trying to say and what is truly being conveyed here this morning. It's not a big giant because that's not the real problem. That's not the root of the problem because that's not what separates David and all the rest of the Israelite army because David saw the same man as all the rest of them did. If it was all about the giant, then David had the same problem. It wasn't about the man. It wasn't about the giant. The real enemy that is defeating them here. We read about in verse 11. Look at verse 11. And hopefully you're still in 1 Samuel 17. On hearing the Philistine words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed. That word means discouraged with a dread that destroyed and shattered them. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were discouraged with a dread that destroyed and shattered them and terrified. That word means to exceedingly, abundantly be frightened and fearful. I'm sure many of you probably heard uh, that song these days, Fear is a Liar. But you know what? I'm here to tell you as well what we see in our passage here today, and that is fear is a bully. Fear is a bully. And it seems that more than any other command in the Word of God, we are told to fear not. Don't misunderstand. Everyone faces fear. Perhaps even every day we face fear. It's not what, it's what we do then with the fear that is right in front of us. So in part one of this message, we're going to look at two of the ways that we must respond to defeat our greatest fears. We can be free from fear. We're going to learn that as we continue through this Set Free series. And I hope that you'll not only stick with us uh, today, right now, but through the part as we go through this in the next week and in some of the weeks yet to come, and even to bring with you those who struggle with this area. Because it's time for the bully fear to be done beginning today with the first step. And that first step is that we need to stand up to fear that is our bully. We need to stand up to the fear that is your bully, which is going to be different than my bully. We understand that, right? 
We need to grasp that the Israelite army, as we read this story, we make it so simple for the kids and we just kind of over-accentuate things that are not necessarily what is the actual reality. We need to grasp that the Israelite army here are not a bunch of wimps. They've fought a number of battles. They have been in battles and handily won battles. In fact, in the past, they fought the Philistines and beat the Philistines. Here they are, defeated. Before they even fight, they're defeated. The whole army crippled, not by the giant, but crippled by the bully, fear. It's amazing that not one of their army, including the commander and king himself, Saul, stood up in any way to Goliath. I mean, we read that, I just read that in verse 11, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Not even Saul. I mean, that's the reason he was chosen king. Remember, they wanted Saul to be their king because he was so kingly, because he was so big, because he was so mighty. That's the guy we want leading us. But it didn't do him much good right then and there, did it? You know what? There will always be someone or something bigger than you. There will always be something bigger than what you have and can handle. The question is, how will you handle that when that time comes? Look at verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp, over nine feet tall, bronze helmet on his head, a coat of scale armor, bronze weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves, a bronze javelin. Slung on his back, his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Let's just think about this uh, Goliath giant, quite possibly nine feet, nine inches tall. Uh, the Guinness World Book of Records has Robert Wadlow at 8 feet 11 as uh, the tallest man that we have on record. And Goliath is a whole nother foot. In fact, if we just do a little comparison chart here uh, for what, what it is, this is kind of who it is. And even still, I had a, there was a kid that, that, that drew, I think, John, one of your kids drew this. I told them to draw something scary. I don't know why it says dad on there. Uh. <laughs> okay, so, are you with me? This is Goliath walking in the room. That's a pretty big guy, right? But it's not just that he was tall, that he was high, he was wide. He, this was a hulking beast of a man. He had to be as he's wearing this armor. And it says there, like, well, how much does a shekel weigh and all that stuff? Let me just tell you. It's at least wearing armor that's at least 125 pounds. And some of you can't grasp that. And, and so... Uh, it would be like wearing 113 kittens all over your body as armor. I know some of you are thinking, what's he going to get? I, I put it in a website and that's what it said. Here, let me tell you. 
I'm not kidding. Is, I was trying to say, think, what is 125 pounds equal to? And says, you a like 113 very for kittens. Okay. But I mean, that would be kind of uncomfortable. I would think, yeah, I mean, that many. It, it's, that's the, the point. Um, you know. And then he has this javelin that the very tip of it weighs 15 pounds. If the tip, it's a bronze javelin, and if the tip just weighs 15 pounds, you can imagine how heavy the whole thing is. And this is a javelin that you've got to be able to throw a great distance with great accuracy. So he wasn't just some tall, skinny dude. He's a big guy. In fact, verse 4 tells us he was their champion, a killing machine. Now, obvious realities of why you should fear Goliath, but what struck fear to the very core, what we read about is when they had fear was not so much when they saw him, but when they heard him. As gigantic as an imposing figure as he was, what made him bigger and scarier was the threatening mouth that just beat them down into their very souls. In verse 8, pick up where we left off. Verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me if he will be able to fight and kill me. We will become your subjects, but if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. The Philistines say, this day, I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And it's then, verse 11, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Goliath stands and shouts. That's what bullies do. They stand up big and tall, loud, abrasive, annoying, degrading. Who are you listening to? Is there a bully you're listening to? And I'm not even talking about a specific type of person or a person, but a voice. We need to wake up and stop putting up with those bully tactics of fear whose whole point is to intimidate you into submission to the will of the enemy. And just like any other bully, if no one stops him, it just becomes the song that never ends. And as noise that it comes, it's the song that never ends. It goes into your core and just tears you apart. This bully fear will just go on and on. Look at verse 25. Verse 25, I read to 24, but what we read is that David was there. You remember David was there. And now the Israelites have been saying, and they said, as David was asking what was going on, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel, the king, and he goes on to talk about what the king will do. Do you see how this man keeps coming out? For 40 days. Twice a day. You can only imagine as Goliath is taunting them twice a day that he's not just saying the same thing over and over again, but he's getting bolder. He's getting brasher. He's getting more 
degrading. He's getting more in their face and just grinding them down each time and each day, maybe even mocking them. And and all the Philistine army is listening to him and just chuckling and laughing at the things he's saying towards them. You know, maybe he's doing the chicken dance, calling them chickens. I don't know. But it just goes on and on and on. Intimidating and badgering. Like bullies do until they just give up. And that's what fear is doing to many of you. Bullies of fear will not back down until you stand up. You're going to keep on living your life having to face that same fear every day. It's not going to go away. It's not going to get better. It's not going to back down until you stand up. Just like Goliath, our fear will yell out to us, threatening us, degrading us, getting us to back up, to back down until ultimately that fear controls us. Like What's going on in verses 8 and 9 is Goliath comes out to speak to him. He's challenging them, basically saying, I challenge you to a personal duel. Mano, oh, man, no way I'm going to go over there, right? I'm not going to fight here. I'm, uh, and I realized that in those days, there were these times where such one-on-one battles took place for the you know, the whole, all the marbles type of thing. And and people will try to say that as they talk about this battle. But the reality is we have the Bible record of many, many battles and even records of battles with the Philistines. And we don't read a whole lot about battles where the rule is one win to rule them all. There is no one win to rule them all. And yet what we see here is the bully Goliath setting the terms of battle that hasn't been set before, but setting the terms of battle as if he's in charge. As if he gets to decide what this is the way it's going to go down. That's what bullies, that's what fear does. Fear is not in charge. And they didn't have to, and you do not have to do what the enemy says. Do not be bullied by fear. Do not be coerced, manipulated. Rather, decide right now that you are not going to listen to the voice of fear, but you are going to listen to the voice of faith. Amen? The longer the bully told them how weak and pathetic they were, the more pathetic and weak they became. They went from, no way, I'm taking him on, to get out of my way. And they start running, running away, fleeing. Verse 24, when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now understand, they weren't down on the field with him, down in the valley. They were still up on the hillside, and they see him, and they run. It says, they were escaping from the sight of his face. With this exceeding, abundant fear, frightened. In that moment, what should have been a great war movie got turned into a horror movie. It's almost as if Goliath just looked at them and said, Boo! 
and they go, ah, screaming like a bunch of girls, right? Right? They're just running. That's what, I mean, it's, they're running away from him. All they did was see him. He didn't do anything. See, there's a problem. When we start looking through the eyes of fear, we do not see clear. When we look through the eyes of fear, we do not see clear. We miss the facts. We totally miss faith that God intended for us to have. Think this through with the Philistines. Think this through with what's going on. They came. The Philistines were the ones who came to attack, right? They came into their land. They came to attack. The Philistines were on the offense. And now, where are the Philistines? They're on the other hill, ridge. All right? The Israelites are over here hiding behind the ridge from Goliath, we say. But the Philistine army is on the other side hiding behind Goliath. I mean, if this was really the big deal, if they were so hot about what they were and great they were, they would have been coming at them. Think about it. But fear, you don't think those things. It's like, oh, we're going to lose. We've lost. This is all it's horrible. You know, and the sky is falling. If the Philistines were feeling so great about the, uh, their odds, they should have just attacked. But because it wasn't strategic for them to come down into the valley, because the odds were not in their favor. They didn't. But fear convinced the Israelites of something different. I mean, even if there was no way that Israel was going to fight Goliath, you would think at least somebody would yell back, Hey, shut up! You know, of course, you say, Make me. You know, right? You go back and forth. But at least say something. Come on. What is going on? Or at least to challenge the bravery of everyone on the other side. Yeah, we see you, but where's the rest of those men? How come you're the only one down in the valley? How come the rest of them aren't standing with you? To fight. Fear was controlling the situation. Fear was controlling their perception of what was going on. And faith was not taking control. Maybe we think we can understand it's only natural that they would be afraid. But this is beyond that which is natural. The kind of fear where they're running away screaming. That is beyond the fear that is natural. And the fact is, it's not rooted in a supernatural faith. Which is what they should have had. A supernatural faith in God. And when we have that fear, is not natural to the supernatural people of God. That's not how God made us. That's not how God has remade us. In fact, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The bully of fear is not going to stop. He's just going to keep going on and on and on and it's going to get worse and worse. It is not going to end until you begin to stand up to fear. The scriptures speak to the past and today. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says, Be on alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. We are in a battle every day with an enemy, the devil. We know that. A devil who uses terror as a tool. And we're told in Ephesians 6, and talking about the spiritual warfare that we're to be. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the very before even putting on the armor, the very first thing, in fact, the thing that he repeats over and over, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. 
Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand and then stand firm, then three times. Stand, stand, stand. Stand now. Not later. Stand now before it gets bigger, before it gets badder. And here's the thing about the Goliath and about every Goliath that there is. He was not always huge. He probably grew fast. I read somewhere Andre the Giant. Uh, some of you may have heard of him. Uh, by 12, he was six foot three. I mean, he's a pretty big guy just by 12. But guess what? Every, I'm telling you, this is truth. It's, it's not necessarily right in the Bible, but oh, God has all truth. This is truth. Every giant was a baby. Are you with me? Every giant at some point in time was a baby. The sooner you stand up to your giant, the sooner you stand up to your fear, before it grows to this humongous size, the easier it will be. But know this, it is never too big to stand up to. No matter what it is, no matter where it's at now. Also, we need to stand up sooner or later because fear is a contagious disease that becomes a giant problem. It's not just in the Israel army. We see it spreading until they were all affected. I'm sure it didn't happen all at once. They just felt this way. But over the days, over what went on, it wasn't just what Goliath was, his 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 person or what he was saying, but it was that fear became contagious across the ranks. And today that happens. Fear is this contagious disease in our families. Fear becomes this contagious disease in our churches. Fear is winning over faith with so many consumed by an overwhelming worry and, and fear that just becomes worse over time. But even worse than that is that we don't even notice that we are infected with fear as we make decisions that just play it safe so that we end up wandering in the wilderness for another 40 years instead of crossing over into the promised land by standing up to the giants. Our life just stays the same. We just keep going around in circles because we did not make the decision, I'm going to stand up to the giants and head into that promised land. We are commanded to fear not. So there are those that would say, well, Pastor, I don't have a problem with fear. In fact, I make it my goal to not be afraid. And what that means is, They create this bubble around their life so they never have anything to actually be afraid of, at least for long. I mean, all of us have something that happens real quick, but I'm not going to be afraid of it for long. And so they make fear not about changing our reaction on... They make fear not changing the action on the outside, what we do on the outside. I'm not going to fear because I'm not going to put myself in a place where I'm going to fear. 
Instead, fear not is about changing something on the inside of us as it deals with those things that are on the outside of us. But we take the easy way out. Instead, we change the things on the outside. If we can change this, change this, leave this relationship, stop this, don't do that, walk away from that, walk around this, play it safe. We put ourselves in a place where we will not be afraid and actually have to trust God. Are you with me? We think that's the way to live as a Christian. We put ourselves in place where we do not have to face fear and never have to trust God. We create this life that revolves around the absence of fear. But true Christian life is about the presence of faith, not the absence of fear. It's about the presence of faith, no matter what comes. God's will for us is not to stay back where it is safe, to live some risk-free life that does not even come close to the walk of faith, the kind of life that God intended for us, the kind of life that Jesus showed us, the kind of life that we see throughout the Bible saints. Fear not only controls us right now in the presence, it is controlling and changing our future as we change our direction, as we avoid and run away from that bully fear that's in front of us. We make the decisions that are different from God's will for our lives and we miss out on the full and the abundant life that Jesus promised us and just think this Christianity stuff doesn't work because we've been listening to fear and not to faith. Stand up to fear. When we don't, when we do, it helps prepare us for what lies ahead. It prepares us for those fears. Like David, we're going to talk about that next week, how he was prepared for the fear that was Goliath by what he dealt with, what he stood up to earlier in his life. For all that matters, how are we preparing our children? Are we teaching our children to avoid fear and not stand up to it? Take the easier path to give in, to give up? We need to teach them to stand up, to stand up on the inside first, to choose a courageous faith that will not be controlled by what we fear. Now, please understand, to stand up to fear is not to teach them to be foolish, to put their hand in the lion's mouth, but it's to also teach them to not be fearful when they hear a lion roar. It starts with finding victory with the dark, or with spiders, or whatever. It starts with seeing adults in their life stand up, which is hard to see these days, except for adults standing up and being bullies. But for most of, for most of cultural churchianity, today the goal is to get to a safe, comfortable life because that equals blessed Christian you are a blessed Christian if you have arrived at the safe comfortable life in fact some think that if you're a good Christian God will never let you face any giant problems that couldn't be any farther from the truth in fact there are those leaders today that are challenging us that the greatest danger for Christians today is safety Jesus called us to follow him. And in doing that, they left everything 
everything. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, in verse 23, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. To deny and to die. To, if we're going to live, we've got to lose our life. This is not a safe, comfortable Christian life hiding in holy huddles in some Christian cave where we don't have to deal with fear. Jesus, in talking about what lies ahead to his followers and to us in Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted, to be put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. We don't want to hear that. And so what happens in our American churchianity, the excuse is we don't have, that's not for us because that's, that's the tribulation. And we're not going to experience the tribulation right now. And in fact, we'll just be able to get away from that whole tribulation. And we won't have to ever have to have things like that happen to us. We don't have to fear that or be afraid of that. That's true. You don't have to be afraid of it. But to think we're not going to have it. What do you say to our brothers and sisters and chains all across this world who live that verse daily? As a reality, they are persecuted, put to death, and hated by the nation in which they live. Where fear is a real bully. There are those who think that they are standing against fear by praying for whatever is causing the problem that just stops. I'm going to stand and I'm just going to pray that this stops, that it goes away and we won't have to deal with it. A point... It's not to get fear to stop. The point is to get faith to start. It's not to get fear to stop. It's to get faith to start. David had to face the fear, not wish it away, not go around it. He had to step up to it. Like the early believers in Acts as they were being persecuted and 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 uh, they were put in jail and they were beat and so... We read Peter and John on their release in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, on the release from prison, came back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders said to them and all that had happened to them and what went on. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Okay, so they just got caught. They got taken away. They got told what they can't say. They got beaten. They got all these things happen to them. And so they said, we should pray. That makes sense. And they said, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth and sea and everything in them. And they go on and praise him. And we read later in verse 29 in that same passage in their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. They didn't pray, Lord, consider their threats and stop them from threatening us. Lord, stop them from having to cause fear in us. No. Cause us to stand up in faith. And after they had prayed, in verse 31, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Because they stood up. Let's not pray for protection. For a safe life. But for provision of a bold life that stands up. We need to stand up as well in faith with our bodyguard. See, I, I, I know what you've heard so far. You say, well, that, that's good. We got that. 
But if I stop there, then all you've got is just a little bit more than the children's story. Or at least the way people talk about David and Goliath as a children's story. You see, there's more. This is not merely about facing your fears. You see, in verses 20 and 21, the Israelite army was already doing that. They went out to battle. Look at verse 20 here. Early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd, loaded up. He reached the camp where the army was going out to battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israelites and the Philistines were drawing up their battle lines, facing each other. That morning, they're going out. Maybe we'll talk more about this next week, but here they are going out, battle cry. Right? Line it up. We're all lining up. They're facing out there. It's not about just facing your fear. They did it. But they faced their fear hunkered down, hiding in fear. And sometimes I think we're fooling ourselves that we're facing our fear, but we never stand up to it. I'm facing it, but you never stand up to it. The bully of fear continues to torment you until we feel hopeless and helpless. That's why when we hear David and Goliath, we hear this, this more secularized message that says all you got to do is stir up courage and stand up to fear. Just do it. That's not what I'm saying today. That falls short. That misses the point. And that is why so many Christians fail who are so brave, so to speak. Because they go out in this rash, reckless abandon to face their giant alone, overconfident in themselves, because I can do this. That's not enough. And that is not the story of what David and Goliath is about. The boldness to stand up is not something we have to stir up inside of ourselves with some emotion. And because what happens is as soon as you get yourself all pumped up, oh, 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 ah, here we go. And you're standing there and there's the giant, there's fear, there's all this happening. All that bravery just runs out all over the ground. Just like it did for the Israelites. That's not what we're being called to. What we need to recognize is a boldness to stand up comes from God. Psalm 138, verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Why? What what is the answer then to this fear, this bully that's fear? Let me show you a, a movie, 1980s. So it was it's a preview, but things were different back then. Here's the answer to the bully. So funny. I never go to the bathroom here if I can help it. Well, what do you do? Just hold it in. Stay away from liquids. Everyone knows that going to school is an education in itself. He wanted the dust. The gum's not the worst. It's the boogers that freak me out. One false move might wipe you out. And any meal could be your last. I should know. My name is Clifford Peach. <laughs> and this is my story. every day for nine. I'm not gonna pay. You got nerve, even if you ain't gonna live long. That was me before. Eat this. Going on? Who are those guys? 
just some kids from school who didn't want to kill me. Hey, Shelly, want to go to the movies tonight? Sure. Yeah, you have a real good time while you're there, huh? And this is me now. What made the difference? It wasn't my grandmother. Kick him in the cojones. That's wasn't my father. I could call the principal again. It wasn't my enemies. You give me trouble. People don't do that around here. It was my bodyguard. You're dead. My bodyguard. A crazy idea. I'd like you to meet my bodyguard. Anything you want to say to me, talk to him first. That led to a great friendship. This is a story of hallway horror, mayhem after math class, and the most important lesson you can learn out of school. You know those things that stunt your growth. That strength has nothing to do with size, and everything to do with courage. One of them was short, one of them was strange. Together, they were absolutely unbeatable. My bodyguard. My bodyguard. My bodyguard. That's crazy. We think. But, you know, it's easier. You saw what happened with those boys just a little bit. of. It's pretty easy to be brave when you're standing next to a big bodyguard. Isn't it? Whatever bully comes your way, if you've got this even bigger bodyguard, it's not that hard to be brave. It's not that hard to stir up courage within you. No one's going to mess with me now. Well, technically, no one's going to mess with your bodyguard. It's not that no one's going to mess with you. Nobody wants to mess with you. This is when you get the T-shirt that says, he's with me, or I'm with him, right? It's not a big, brave thing to stand up to a bully when you're standing to that which is even bigger. You don't, it's not that difficult to do, and we see that in David's life here. It shouldn't be that difficult for us. David very easily stood up to Goliath. We'll get into that more next week. But he very easily stood up to Goliath. Why? Because he had a bodyguard that was bigger. It's not hard to stand up to the bully. To stand up to your giant fear is the first step. But we need to make the decision in that second step to stand up with God as our bodyguard, so to speak, against the bully. As Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God's on my side, who can be against me? We need to get it through our heads and through our hearts that it does not matter how big our bully is. It does not matter how small we are or we feel. What matters is how big our God is. A nine foot, nine inch tall giant is not even an ant to God. No matter what fear is telling you, we have facts right here in black and white that we who believe or are believers in Christ are neither helpless nor hopeless because we are not godless. We are not just told to stand strong and be courageous because of something in us, but because of someone who is with us. Joshua 1, 8 and 9 talks about that. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 says... Uh, Verse 6 says that here. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. 
As you read that verse, why is it we can stand up to the bully? Why is it we can be strong? Why is it we can be courageous? Why is it we cannot fear? Because, do we see the because there? Because the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Don't go crawl in a cave, but run to the strong tower, the mighty fortress that is our God, who is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea and the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. By the way, these last couple verses and this next one are not on your notes there. You might jot those down in Deuteronomy 31. Verse 6, and now this, Psalm 46, 1 and 3, it's important. The importance will be seen even next week. But this is not about having faith in ourselves or even having faith in faith. Like, i got to have a stronger faith. Now, it's not about your faith and it's not how strong your faith is. It's how strong God is. Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Or Psalm 23, many of us are familiar with that. Psalm 23, verse Remember that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou, because you are with me. That's why. For Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Black and white, so to speak. His promise right here. I ask the worship team to come. You know, we we say we've got faith. We say that we believe. We say, I'm trusting God. Until what happens? Until who shows up? We're trying to convince ourselves that we're people of faith and yet we hide behind this hill, peeking over at the giants in our life, peeking over at the fear, and then even running the other way. We talk about how great we are of faith. We can even do that on the Sundays and sing about all of it. But the way we know whether we are walking by fear or walking by faith is proven in the times when the battle comes to us and gets in our faith just like a Goliath. What are the fears? What are the fears that as soon as you see them, you want to flee? Today, there is something probably for almost, I would imagine for everyone here today, there is some fear. Some of it, for some of you, it's not a big giant. It's not as huge. But it's something. And you understand, when we're talking about fear, it's not just this frightened stuff, but fear is experienced when we worry. Anxiety is about fear. What are those things that we want to just hide away from what are those areas that we are vulnerable to being bullied by fear being controlled even being enslaved to fear today make a decision to stand up no longer let it control you no longer let it intimidate you make the decision that today is going to be the day that you're going to stand up to the bully of fear not by yourself but with your bodyguard I'm no longer afraid because I realize I am no longer alone. I am no longer afraid because I realize I am no longer alone because greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. I can and will be set free from fear, no longer a slave.
Father, help us in this and our response as we sing this as our prayer to you. To know that we need to make those decisions, otherwise we just will continue on. Move in us, Holy Spirit, set us free this day.